you find another faith, a podcast that your wallet will say, Bad Books, for beginners if you please, Bad Books, help you find out what to read, Bad Books, for beginners, why don't you go and download now? And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 180. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we're your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batman and Son. Chris. Tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, listeners, did you love that musical intro as oh. much as I did? Oh, man. Uh, I like Layla. A little Eric Clapton going on there. Really yeah, good. I love it. Talented job once again, partner. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for downloading and spending a part of your day with us. Batman and Son is a book that had a few different versions, so you can take your pick. There is a 200-page hardcover that was published in August 2007 that had a cover price of $24.90 that some online vendors have for around the same to about half price. There is a 200-page soft cover trade paperback that was cover dated July 2008 that had a cover price of $14.99 that's gone through more than one printing. Online vendors have this version for around the cover price to slightly less. The cheapest copy I saw online at the time of this recording was only $4.86. Wow. Yeah, not too bad. Both of these versions collected Batman numbers 655 through 658 and Batman numbers 663 through number 666. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In 2014, DC Comics released an expanded edition of Batman and Son, a 384-page softcover trade paperback that was cover-priced $19.99. This new edition collected the aforementioned issues – Plus, Batman issue numbers 672 through 675. Online vendors have this expanded version for less than cover price, and it can be found on Comixology. Jerry and me are going to cover the Batman and Son story arc in this book, which collects Batman numbers 655 through 658. These issues were originally cover dated September 2006 through December 2006, and each issue had a cover price of $2.99. If you're interested in a hard copy version of the story itself, this is a scenario where the online version or the trade paperback would be the cheaper route to go. An original copy of Batman number 655 in fine condition alone goes for $35 in the online back issue market. Wow. Yeah. Matt Damien kid, I tell you. <laughs> For our creative teams, per usual, I'll go off my memory and online resources with some very broad brushstrokes as we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode. Mm-hmm. Batman and Son was written by Grant Morrison. Morrison is 58 years old, and he is a native of Glasgow, Scotland. Morrison broke into comics in the U.K., including work on the title 2000 A.D. He quickly got acclaim for the D.C. title where I first encountered his work in the title Animal Man in the late 1980s. Mm-hmm. He has also worked on Doom Patrol and the graphic novel Arkham Asylum, A Serious House. Mm-hmm. Morrison would continue to rack up numerous credits, including All-Star Batman in 2005, which won Eisner Awards for Best New Series and Best Continuing Series. Morrison is also the co-creator of the sci-fi TV series Happy, which stars Christopher Maloney and Patton Oswalt, which I confess I have not seen. No, me neither. For- 
Okay. Andy Kubert was the artist. Kubert is the son of the legend Joe Kubert. Andy is 55 years old, and he's a graduate and now instructor at the art school founded by his father. Andy Kubert has numerous credits, and he may be known for his work on DC's Flashpoint miniseries back in 2011 and Marvel's X-Men in the 1990s. I have to mention Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart was the colorist here. He did an outstanding job. Stewart has uh, numerous credits, a huge long list of them, and he's a nine-time Eisner Award winner. Gee, I wonder what the record is for most Eisner Awards. Yeah. Nine. Nine, yeah. I I was baffled when I read that stat. You can find more about him and his work on dragonmonkeystudios.com. Okay, now I'm going to be remiss if I didn't touch upon some of the background of the characters themselves in this story. First up, we have Damian Wayne. It would take the time of the whole podcast to cover the character's history. So again, I'm going to do this with very, very broad brush strokes. He first appeared as an infant at the end of the story in the 1987 hardcover graphic novel, Son of the Demon, which came out in the late summer, early fall of that year, as I recall. Now, the book itself was something of a big to-do back at the time. Back then, DC didn't regularly publish original material in hardcover format, uh, certainly not with a frequency as it does now. You know, up until then, the only hardcover comic book I had seen when I was uh, I was at Harrods when I visited London back in 1979. That's the first time I saw a hardcover oh. comic. Yeah. Now, this hardcover book cost the then princely sum of $14.95, which uh, had 78 pages and it had an introduction by Mark Hamill. Wow. Yeah, and this is right before he had yet to uh, voice the Joker on the animated Uh series. This particular book, Son of the Demon, my local comic shop had very strict Mm pre-orders, and we were curious as to what the finished product would look like. I still remember having some strange eagerness when I was undoing the shrink wrap of my copy. This wasn't a book you could open the cover and peruse before deciding if you wanted to buy a copy or not. You paid your money and you took your chances, as they say. Son of the Demon was written by Mike W. Barr, and Jerry Bingham was the artist. It subsequently would be reprinted in softcover and comic book formats. I won't get into the story in itself, but in the course of Son of the Demon, Talia and Batman conceive a child, and later, Batman is told by Talia that she lost the baby. But in the closing panels of the book, we see a male infant baby is dropped off at the steps of the Brooksdale Orphanage. Now, I took the story as is, as I'm sure other fans of the Dayback did. Books being labeled as Elseworlds didn't exist at this point. The book did not bear an Elseworlds imprint, but would later be considered not, repeat, not part of Batman canon. Presumably, this had something to, (laughs) this came to the chagrin of the writer Mike W. Barr. I recall something of a kerfuffle with this. However, here in this story, Batman and Son, that we're going to review, Morrison does bring the character back. He would later be asked by Wizard Magazine about the Son of the Demon story, and he said, quote, For a long time, DC said Son of the Demon was out of continuity. Now it's just kind of out of continuity. I didn't actually read it before I started writing this. I messed up a lot of details, like Batman wasn't drugged when he was having sex with Talia, and it didn't take place in the desert. I was relying on shaky memories. But now we have this, quote, Superboy Punch continuity after Superboy Prime attacked the fabric of the universe during Infinite Crisis. People still don't realize how important that single punch was to cover everyone's ass, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, indeed, in The Son of the Demon, Batman and Talia appear to have consensual sex. However, the notion of Talia doing something untowards to get her, quote, beloved Batman was an unprecedented. In a 1978 story entitled, I Now Pronounce You, Batman and Wife, which appeared in the Batman Spectacular DC Special Series number 15, Batman is gassed in the Batcave, kidnapped by Talia and her goons, and he awakens to a wedding ceremony on a boat in international waters, finding himself to be the groom to Talia's bride. With Raja Cool officiating. Batman says he didn't consent, but Rach tells him that it wasn't necessary per the customs of his country. Okay, now as with the issue of Son of Demon being in continuity or out of continuity was one thing. However, the issue of the drugging wouldn't quite go away either. In issues of the Morrison Penn Batman Incorporated, the drugging is reaffirmed and is once again part of Damien's origin. However, in the Robin Rises Omega story arc, Peter Tomasi retcons the drugging issue. Bruce, when recounting the story of Damien, Damien's conception, implies that it was consensual by stating that he followed his heart. And he says, I let my heart overrule my head. Mm. Back in 2013, Damien will be killed off by someone called the Heretic, an adult clone of himself in an issue of Batman Incorporated. However, as we know in comics, death doesn't usually oh, last. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he would be resurrected a year later. In 2014, an animated movie entitled Son of Batman was released. I didn't think it was that bad. There were quite a few differences, though, between this and the comic, as Deathstroke is the main antagonist here. Mm. Now, for the moment, you can find the Damien character in the DC comic book titles Teen Titans and Super Sons, mm. but I think both of these titles are being canceled within the next coming months, yep. and number 16 will be the last issue of Super Sons. Now, Jerry's also going to mention a Batman villain called The Spook. The Spook first appeared in Detective Comics number 434, cover dated April 1973. His real name is Val Caliban, and he is depicted as a big, hulking, bald male figure in a green-hooded robe with glowing eyes. And from the onset in the comics, from his first few appearances, he presented himself as a very formidable villain, often outwitting Batman with seemingly impossible escapes. And in a few encounters with Batman, they ended in stalemates. The character of the spook would literally vanish as a regular Batman villain in the 1980s and 1990s. In the comic book Batman Gotham Knights number 46 back in 20, uh, 2003, his real name was then changed to Val Calabanitz, and his status would be ground dated from a C to a D-list villain. Now, whether we actually see the actual villain, the spook, appears to be questioned by some on the internet with regards to this particular story, but since I don't think we've seen any recent appearances of this character, I'll assume that this is the actual version of the spook in the story for now. Mm-hmm. Over on Amazon.com, versions of the book Batman and Son are rated four stars out of five wow. based on yeah, based on 133 ratings. And over on Goodreads.com, this got a 3.81 stars out of five mm-hmm. based on over 10,000 ratings. Wow. Yeah, and over 300 reviews. Uh, but the question remains, <laughs> what will Jerry and I think of the story? And with that, I'll turn it back over to you, my friend. Oh, thank you, Chris. Fantastic information. That, that was terrific. So Chris and I are going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered Red Kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98 with the 300s. Lori Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? 
I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. Would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back. Here's the story of Batman and Son. Commissioner Gordon has been infected with Joker toxin, and Batman saves him and defeats Joker. Joker's hurt very badly, and Batman carries him to the waiting police ambulance. He turns the clown Prince of Crime over to them, but not before he throws Joker into a trash bin. <laughs> Batman, Batman visits Gordon in the hospital as the toxin slowly works its way out of his system. Batman has rid Gotham of most of the costume crime and has earned himself some time off. Back at the Batcave, Bruce and Alfred decide to take a vacation to go to London for a charity party. Tim is going to take some time by himself in the mountains while the two are out of town. A mysterious woman has kidnapped Dr. Kirk Langstrom's wife and wants his man-bat serum or she, or she will kill her. The woman and child... Standing next to her, watch Bruce's movements on a map. Who can she be? Hmm, mysterious woman. Well, I'll just this keep it to myself child. for now, but yeah, yeah. yes. yeah. Whatever. No spoilers yet. No spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> In London, Bruce and Alfred are at a club where the party is to be held. Dr. Langstrom enters in a rush. Bruce greets him, but the doctor says he has to get going and that his wife is indisposed. Bruce suspects more is up. Alfred helps Bruce, takes on the air of a carefree playboy for the party. Bruce is fun flirting with women and having a good time, while Alfred waits in the car reading. The party is under surveillance by the mysterious woman who asks the child if he knows which one they are looking for. The child points to Bruce and says, He is my father. Uh-oh. The woman is Talia al Ghul. And thanks to Dr. Langstrom's man-bat serum, she now has an army of man-bats at her disposal. Is that man-bats or men-bat? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, man-bats, I, I, I'm, going, I'm thinking man-bats, but you bring up a good point. I don't know. Attorneys general. Wouldn't man, it be, I don't know. Bat? Boy, you know, poor attorneys general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the child picking Bruce out of the lineup there. Wow, how about that? And poor Bruce, you know, I don't know what, what gave him away, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. At the party... Bruce runs into Jezebel Jett, the model-turned-ruler of an African nation. The pair look at art together. Alfred sees Dr. Langstrom and his wife kicked out of the back of a van. He helps them out, and Langstrom tells him that he gave them the man-bat serum, and they are going to attack. Alfred calls into the party for Bruce, warning him about the imminent attack. The party is attacked by a horde of ninja, uh, ninja man-bats with swords. Bruce slips into his Batman costume and starts to fight the creatures. There are too many man-bats to fight, 
Batman is eventually overwhelmed and captured. The Prime Minister of England's wife, who is also at the party, is kidnapped by the Man-Bats as well. They go to a secret lair in the London sewer, where they are met by Talia al Ghul. She tells Batman that Raish is dead, and reminds him of a night of love they spent together. Bruce remembers it differently, but Talia tells him that that night he sired an heir to Raish al Ghul. The child has been trained from a baby by the League of Assassins, but he's growing out of her control, and the boy needs a man's hand, his father's hand. She gives Bruce his son, Damien, to take care of. Bruce takes Damien home and brings him to the Batcave. Damien is a, let's say, brat. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. He has no interest in fighting crime with his father. Damien wants to test Batman's skill and the two spar. Then Tim Drake shows up, asking what he missed while he was gone. Batman, Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way. Batman introduces the two, but Damien has no interest in being pleasant. Batman sends him with Alfred to get some rest and explains the situation to Tim. Tim tells Batman that a superhero called the Spook is loose at Blackgate Prison and takes off in a huff, leaving Batman to deal with it. Batman goes into Wayne Manor to show Damien around his new home. Damien is impossibly obnoxious. And let me say something here, Jerry. When you write yeah. impossibly obnoxious on your note, I really, <laughs> I really crafted that. Because where, where else could impossibly obnoxious be understated? You know, or yes. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't think that would be understated, but boy, oh boy, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Come what please. a piece of work Damien is. Batman goes from being very calm with him to becoming the terrifying creature we know that Batman can be. Damien sees this knows what's good for him, and becomes more polite, saying, Yes, yes, Father. Batman goes to Blackgate to investigate the spook, a ghostly creature with some machine-gun-wielding minions covered in sheets. One of the minions is really GCPD, and his double-dealing is discovered. He calls to Commissioner Gordon, who sends Batman in to save the day. They find the spook, but he's dead and missing his head. Oops. No. (laughs) Back at the Batcave, Tim comes upon Damien with a sword and a satchel. Damien somehow left Wayne Manor and followed Batman to Blackgate. He now has the spook's head in the satchel. Tim is aghast and explains to Damien that the Bat family doesn't kill. The two fight. As they do, Tim realizes that Damien has done something with Alfred, too. Damien hits Tim with a cheap shot, sending him falling to the Batcave floor far below, hurting him very badly. Batman comes home and realizes what has happened. Damien presents himself in full Robin garb, saying that he is the new Robin. Tim's broken body lies on the Batcave floor. Batman gets Tim to the infirmary, frees Alfred, who is uncharacteristically nonplussed about the whole affair. Alfred goes on to medical duty and tends to Tim. Batman corrects Damien and points out the error of his ways. He knows where Talia is due to some pollen on the blindfold that Damien came with. The two take off to see her. But first, Batman stops by Dr. Langstrom's house for a mysterious purpose. 
They then take the bat rocket to see Talia, which impresses Damien very much. Talia al Ghul has the British Prime Minister's wife hostage. She tells the British government that to free her, she wants control of the British base at Gibraltar, or else she will turn the woman over to a bunch of cannibals. The Man-Bat army is attacking Gibraltar. Batman and Damien arrive at Talia's submarine and start to fight the Man-Bats. They get the British Prime Minister's wife to safety, and Dr. Langstrom trains the British army on how to fight the Man-Bats. Turns out, Talia just wanted Bruce to come back. She wants to be with Bruce and rule the world and give it to Damien. The British Navy torpedoes the sub. Batman escapes, but the fate of Talia and Damien is unclear. The end. Well, Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Xenozoic Xenophiles. A fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com. Welcome back. Chris, what'd you think about this book? Well, Jerry, full disclosure, and I don't want to upset any fans out there, but I am not a Damian Wayne fan. Uh, I don't think you're alone. No, and, and back in the day, you know, another thing, when the original story came out, I didn't like DC pulling my chain by saying Damian wasn't in continuity and then he's back again. In my perfect world, if Batman is going to have any child, it's going to be a girl named Helena and her mother will be the Catwoman. Yes. Okay, now that said, I put my biases aside, and I have to acknowledge this is a well-crafted story with some gorgeous artwork. Mm. I tell you, I, 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 this blew me away. Yeah, it did. I know we're going to get to it at some point. Issue 656 had some wonderful sequences when you were explaining uh, the gal and the party. Mm-hmm. There is a brilliant awesome combination of writing and artwork at this gala they they got like these uh roy lichtenstein-esque comic book mm-hmm. panel paintings in the background <laughs> and they're placed in just such a way that they're behind characters and it's so strategically well done that they capture the moment of what's happening in the story itself mm-hmm. you see a one of these paintings thinking wow and that's in the background, and in the foreground, Jezebel Jett is making her grand entrance yes. with this big gown and the slit skirt and the dress. When they're walking by some of the artwork, Bruce kind of makes an offhand comment saying, all this comic book stuff is way too highbrow for me. <laughs> and then there's a comic book panel that says, ouch, just right at that moment. You know? I mean, there, there is some really great attention to detail here. I, I, was, I have to admit, I was taken aback, and I... When I first, when this story first came out, I confess I, I really kind of dismissed this and hoped Damien would go away. But as for this story itself, Batman and Son, there was a lot to like here. What were your initial impressions? Well, 
I am. I probably am a little um, more uh, agreeable to Damien than you are, but only from the standpoint of I, I, I think Damien as a character helps balance out Batman as a father. You know, Batman can be so dark and brooding and, you know, focused and kind of a drag sometimes. But when he is with somebody else, and I like the the combination of him trying to be a dad to Damien, um, but that doesn't really happen in this book. Uh, so um, I, I think that Damien is much more obnoxious here than he is later. I mean, and that's pretty obnoxious. So he's just unbearable here, um, which works for the story. But for folks that are not Damien fans in modern continuity, they're really going to hate him here. So <laughs> <laughs> brace yourself. <laughs> uh, this book, I thought you're absolutely right about the art. There's so many great panels. Uh, when... Batman was carrying Joker at the very beginning to the back to the cops after he had beaten him. The colors in this one panel that I'm thinking of were just beautiful. There's a great one with Tim on his motorcycle. The the one that Talia and Damien are in the shadows. It's it's just these are beautiful beautiful panels. That you mentioned the Jezebel Jet panel. Uh, there's one with with her in the foreground and Bruce kind of in the background. And her skin is is just so beautiful, and Bruce in the background looks powerful and strong, and you know it's just there. It's like a couple of headshots, but boy, uh, it's really great, great art. Um, yeah, uh, Kubert really does a good job. Dave Stewart was outstanding, and you really don't think of a colorist getting mentioned in a comic book that often, or not getting their fair due. And I'm yeah. I'm guilty of that when I give a submission, but uh, Dave Stewart props i mean this he really really outdid himself and you could see those eisner awards that he has wherever he keeps them are were definitely well deserved definitely um now at the party too you mentioned some of the comic books at the party you know there was also some maybe uh maybe one of the people at the party was jack nicholson yes yes (laughs) there were a couple of people that i thought i might recognize it was just there's so much humor in the story and it's just for as heavy as it is, it's there's also a light touch that I really enjoyed. But it's kind of not um, perfect. The opening was a little confusing. Um, Batman has a gun. The Joker gets shot, but it, it, it looks like the shot came from somewhere other than Batman. It was I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, to tell you the truth. It was a little confusing, and we get a real manic expected mm-hmm. depiction of the Joker in, in perfect voice as you expect for the character mm-hmm. yet the character the joker where he somehow dominates mm-hmm. anything he, any appearance he has in a story really doesn't make that much of an impact here that we, we kind of see the after effects more than we do for seeing something here mm-hmm. and i state that because once somebody mentions the joker they may want to rush out and get this thinking mm-hmm. they're going to get some grand opus or something this the joker appearance isn't a lot here yeah. but we do see some of the after effects one of the things that i think was brilliantly captured was the after effects Effects that we see Gordon suffering through with the toxin venom in the hospital. Yes, yes. He still he still has some after effects with the giggles. His mm-hmm. face still is contorted on one side, but not the other. Mm-hmm. And I think part of his brain is healing, yet he still has these convulsions where he has to has the laughter, and his face isn't quite fully healed yet from from the tightness of the grin. Mm-hmm. And how how interesting is that? Because that's something you really don't get a lot of in the comics when somebody's cured from the joker toxin usually you you see a dead victim Mm -hmm. but you really don't get someone being cured and we 
this was a little touch that I thought was really well done, but you don't see often in Batman stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very true. Um, so I I did think that there was a lot of humor in this, and one of them, you know. At one point, Alfred was commenting that, you know, Bruce's Batman growl is actually becoming his actual voice. And <laughs> you need a vacation, Bruce. Yes. Uh, Alfred said that he feeds the bats in the Batcave. And Bruce is like, you feed the bats? <laughs> and, you know, it's <laughs> happening right around him. You know, the great detective. <laughs> There's uh, Bruce and Alfred are in the elevator. And they're like wondering why Lang, um, Langstrom was in such a hurry and just the way they're back and forth, you know, Alfred's like, no, this is a vacation. And Bruce is like, hmm, I wonder. And it's just the way it was done. You should read it. It's charming. Um, it is. And I had the ballot bet. Bruce and Alfred moments in my notes too. These were some great moments. They're not long lasting moments, but they're just so pitch perfect. The writing is spot on. And this really, really elevated this whole thing in my opinion i was blown away yeah uh, again at the party uh uh we, you know we've we've talked a lot about this sequence which is really really good that uh one of the man bats brew um batman stakes him against a wonder woman painting <laughs> yes which i love that touch yeah, sort of a Warhol esque version. Yes. It looked like like the H uh, H P Peter cover with uh, uh, Sensation Comics number one with just Wonder Woman's face. If you if you can get a visual of that, and you could just seeing it depicted uh, with four squares with just different separate color tones. That's that's what it looked like. Uh, just 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 masterful. It really was terrific. And you know they're in the Bat Rocket, and Damien was saying, well. I know everything about you because I studied about you. And Batman replies, you know, you didn't know about the rocket. So he doesn't know as much as he thinks. Uh, I did think that um, Damien's look hadn't really been worked out yet. He still looks kind of generic, just like kid, kid number six. You know, it's just kind of random. Whereas today you can see Damien and you go, oh, I know who that is. But this this was still early days for um, for Damien. Uh, talking about the party again, uh, <laughs> they're at a party at London. Bruce Wayne is from Gotham and he's at the party. And Batman, who's from Gotham, is shows up at the party. Uh, you would think people would put two and two together. Hmm. <laughs> Good <laughs> maybe, point. Maybe we should ask Bruce who Batman is. Yes. <laughs> um. I also thought Batman throwing Joker into the trash bin was a little uncharacteristic. I know he saw Gordon, you know, being hurt by Joker and he was very angry, but that doesn't, that seems to be a rash of anger that, uh, is a little uncharacteristic of, of Bruce. Yeah, that, 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 that is a good point. And I think we're sort of steering our way in a conversation of things we, quibbles, if you will, yeah, more things we quibbles. didn't like. Uh, one of the things for me though, uh, a little of Damien goes a long way, yeah. and I know some char- some characters resonate more and are more in favor of, of certain readers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking of the maturity level, looking at Damien here, and looking at what 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 I get of the current uh, incarnation of the character. And I'm just trying to think. Geez, has this character really grown or matured any uh, in the in the time that we've seen him? One of the other little things I had was uh, as far as someone 
looking at this? Could could my young reader, mm-hmm. if I'm a parent, could would this be suitable for my child? Uh, the decapitation of the spook is a little bit graphic, and it was almost kind of evocative of an EC mm-hmm. horror comic from the 50s, yes. in my opinion. So that might be something that might be a little bit disturbing for a younger reader, mm-hmm. and I just have to put that out there for what it is. Definitely. But but. It was it was hard for me to nitpick with this story. By and large, the writing, the artwork were just really, really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So these are, like I said, these are just total nitpicks, uh, as you point out. Uh, this story, this plot, it it's really a lot of fun. Uh, so I really like this very, very much. Well, should we get into our ratings? All right. What do you think? What would you give it? Well, Jerry, I, I had some huge pessimism going into this, but I have to confess Morrison did a great job here. Mm-hmm. And I was bracing myself for not liking this story to even chambering things that I love about Grant Morrison and say, hey, I'm going to recommend this instead. Mm-hmm. That said, I, I do have to put this out there because it was my initial thought that if you like Grant Morrison, I think some of the Morrison stuff that I really, really like is the stuff that he uh, did on Animal Man. So if you want to look for a trait of Animal Man and make sure Animal Man had lengthy runs and he had multiple volumes, make sure you're looking for the stuff with Grant Morrison and start from the beginning. Also, the All-Star Superman stuff that he did back in the mid-2000s, if you haven't read that, this is a fond look with the art by Frank Wildey, which is a nice nod to both the uh, – Silver Age Superman incorporating it with a more timely feel. You can really sense a lot of love for this character and just how fascinating and powerful Superman is, yet understated. You've got some great exchanges with Lois, with Luther. This All-Star Superman is a masterpiece. Check that out. That said, yet I had that in my notes because I, I didn't think I was going to like the story this much, but I really have to confess – this was a very, very good story. My rating for this is going to be four out of five. Nice. My quibbles are just a little bit of Damien hate on my end, and I'm sorry. I'm, that, that my, that's my own personal thing. And I thought the decapitation of Spook was a little bit much in my opinion. I always hate to see any Batman villain mm. get, get knocked off, and especially the way it was treated here. I, I don't know if you could have used any other C or D list villain, but mm. – I, I was – I thought it was a little much, but was Damien character? Yes. Mm-hmm. So for what it is, I'm giving this a strong four out of five, and I would classify this as a must-read. Excellent, excellent. I would uh, – I, I think I like Damien a little more than you do. Uh, maybe not Damien himself, but Damien as he interacts with other characters. Uh, I love this book. I love the story. The art is just amazing. And I really liked seeing Damien's first interactions with Batman – as annoying as he is. Um, but even so, I think this is very dramatic. It, sh- it set up a, you know, an interesting, um, balance between Tim Drake and Damien where, you know, Damien's like, well, I, you know, I'm his real son. You're just his fake son. And, you know, Tim kind of is a little put out by it. And I thought that, that, um, dynamic, uh, was really, really compelling. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a four and a half Batarang rating. I really like this book and I would say, that, yeah, that's, a, I think maybe as high as I've ever given anything on this podcast. Um, I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I would say that, um, as a must read, yeah, I think this is, uh, especially if you're, you know, a, a Bat Family fan, this isn't the introduction of Damien. It's critical to the current Bat Family and, it's a great story, and the art is just 
really something to be seen. Uh, it, it doesn't get very better, uh, very much better. But if you do hate Damien because he's a snotty brat, you're going to have a bad time. He's the worst in this story. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely sets the tone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So fantastic. So that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, rating from us. So I think we're both recommending this. Yep. Fantastic. So thank you. So absolutely. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network of podcasts and news. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, and so many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. You can find a link to the Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris, you do something uh, on one of the other podcasts uh, at the BatmanUniverse.net, don't you? Yes, thank you very much, Jerry. I can be found on Stella's outstanding podcast called Bad Girl to Oracle. Over on that podcast, I'm reviewing the Batman Adventures comic. This was the 90s title based on the 90s animated series, and I'm thrilled and very grateful to be part of that outstanding show. Stella does an outstanding job Wonderful. covering the current and former uh, anything related to the Barbara Gordon Batgirl character mm-hmm. or Batgirl itself. She covers it from chronological order, and she's also looking at the Batgirl and Birds of Prey title, among other things. Now, Jerry, mm. over on the BatmanUniverse.net, could somebody possibly find you looking at one of those titles? It's possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do. I review the Batgirl and Birds of Prey, uh, I do, uh, which is going away. I do Harley and Ivy meets Betty and Veronica, which has gone away now, now that it's after, this is the last Wednesday, and Mother Panic Stories, which is coming back. So <laughs> all kinds of things going on. Oh, the there. state of comics. Yeah, yeah we're, that's right. we're in a state of flux right now. I think, uh, yeah. It reminds me of when Batman 66 went away, but something Aww. else came back. So, yeah, I remember, I remember those times. Yeah. But, hey, it's comics and something else will come sure along. Is. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, now, Chris, you can be reached on Twitter, can't you? Yeah, thanks for the plug. I can be found on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books. I, I got a huge bump in followers since the last episode of the podcast dropped, so I can't thank you enough for giving me a try on there. I've been very flattered, and I've really uh, been fortunate enough to have some conversations with some other fans mm-hmm. with with some appreciation who just really, really are into comics and the comics community. Right. And that said, sometimes you know when I'm out in public. I, People ask what I'm doing on the weekend, and I'll say, well, I'm recording a podcast. Oh, really? What's the podcast about? They'll ask. And I said, well, it's about Batman. You're kidding. <laughs> I'm, you know, what's the name of it? You know, so I've really it's, – it's amazing, just the comics community out there. I've, I've run into somebody, and coincidentally, you know, they said, oh, by, believe it or not, you know, um, I've got a relative who really likes Batman, but, you know, they like Batman 66. And I go, uh, well, I like Batman 66. And we get to talking. And they said, well, they, they, they do some stuff on YouTube about Batman 66. Oh, really? Well, well, what is it? And then they'll show me a link. And then I'll go to the link online and I'll say, oh my gosh, I already saw this already. And I can't believe uh, I just met the person who who who, who is related to this. It, it is world. such it's a, such a small world out there. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that. So I, I've been very fortunate and blessed with all the doors that Twitter and this podcast is, is, is open for me. So I, I, I'm really fr- grateful to you, my friend. Oh, and back uh, at you. This has been uh, great. And yeah, it's really opened up uh, the world of this comic book community for us. 
Yeah, and long before I got on Twitter, I would still kind of at least kind of peek on Twitter during Spenguli, and I would see these live tweets, and I'd see some guy named Professor Frenzy. <laughs> Here I am with the Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. So, Jerry, can people find you they on Twitter? Sh- they sure can. I'm at Professor Frenzy, as you mentioned. Uh, I'm out there. I cover my favorite books, uh, DC books, indie books. Uh, Dark Shadows I'll, I'll talk about sometimes. Uh, live tweet, as you mentioned. Uh, the Spenguli hashtag on Saturday nights. We have so much fun doing that. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, last week. And, and this week, it's, Absolutely. A, it's a wild one. The 5,000 fingers of... What, who is it? Doctor somebody? Doctor T. Doctor T. That's right. Which that's, I don't think I don't think this has ever been done on Spengali before this particular film. So this ought to be interesting. I've never seen it before, so I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's really trippy. Really trippy. We have a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> so now we also Chris um, Chris and I talk uh, listen to other podcasts, a lot of other podcasts, and uh, one of one of which that that we both like is Cosmic Treadmill and Weird Comics History. With Chris Sheehan, who's at Ace Comics, and uh, at Reggie Reggie. So he, they're both, the two of them, they just have, uh, it's such a great podcast that they, they do voices for the, they play out different segments of the comic books. It's so much fun. I, we both really recommend you, uh, you check them out. I enjoy them very much. Oh, absolutely. Great, great show. Great show. Uh, uh, Chris also has, uh, Chris Sheehan also has a, uh, blog. Uh, Chris is on Infinite Earths and he does a, a comic book a week from the old, from, you know, the dollar bin or wherever he gets them from. He just does random comics and he's been doing one a day for, gosh, a couple of years now. So. Yeah, focus on action comics as that action comics title is closing in on its 1,000th, yes, 1,000th issue. So I've really been enjoying what Chris has been putting out there. Shout out to Chris. Definitely. We also listen to uh, Randy Andrews, who's got a podcast, Soundtrack Alley, where he does some soundtracks for some terrific movies. That's always a a good time. And he's also been doing a Gen 13 podcast, which uh, is also a lot of fun if you're a Gen 13 fan. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now we are also, of course, the Sutherlands who do a series of podcasts, wonderful podcasts, uh, Warlord Worlds, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Trekker Talk. And Chris and I, we did a guest appearance on Warlord Worlds a while back for, we talked about Batman Mask with them. They're terrific. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I was fortunate enough to be tapped to do a guest spot when uh, they're covering the Mike Grell Superboy issues from a certain time. They've got a different guest to cover a different issue of that title. I'm slated to be coming up soon. I recorded this a while back, and I, I hope you like it. And then after that, I've got another one that I'm going to be doing. So I really Wonderful. am fortunate to have been asked there. Now they've also got some other new podcasts, Sensational Sleuths, uh, just as an outstanding show and. I can't thank the Sutherlands enough for all their support, and we've just really had a great friendship with Jared and Ruth, and we continue to uh, have these conversations behind the scenes and (laughs) just finding all these mutual things that we like, you know, from back in the day. That uh, we we have so many common interests that it's it's just been outstanding to 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 converse with them. And and they also do uh, fantastic fantasies. Yes, thank you. I overlook. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I left that out. Yes, fantastic fantasies. That's their new one. So yeah, please be sure to check out uh, all. Their new episodes been very very fortunate. Definitely. Now I've also been listening to Coffee and Comics with Clinton Robeson, uh, Long Box Crusade with Pat Sampson and his his crew. Boy, that's a lot of fun. Yep. 
Uh, Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace, which is a really, uh, if you're a Wonder Woman fan, uh, in, in any of the, the, um, mediums, whether it's TV or comics or whatever movies, check, check that out. It's really a terrific, uh, terrific podcast. Yeah, that's Angela over at Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace. Great, great show. I really love her format where she takes a look at the Golden Age, uh, stuff from the, uh, Perez era, and then she goes into New 52, and then she jumps right into covering episodes in chronological order of the 70s Linda Carter series. And I really love how, how, how that, how that show is booking from the Golden Age stuff to the Linda Carter episodes and the stuff in between. It's a great show. Each episode lasts about, oh, I don't think she goes more than an hour, which, mm-hmm. If you think about it, that's a lot of content covered in, in a pretty fair short amount of time. But she just does a tremendous job with that. So shout out for them. I also want to give a shout out to some new friends of our show, which is the Pilot Project Podcast. Uh, that's P A R. Parley L I I P O. Thank you. <laughs> As I'm thinking out loud, that's John and Dave. There's some new friends of our show. Uh, Really, really great show with uh, covering some of the news and current reviews of some comics out there. Tremendous friends of our show. I really appreciate great it. Great stuff. Great stuff. You know, speaking of some feedback that we've gotten, you did mm-hmm. mention Darren Sutherland. Uh, Jerry, can I read a excerpt of a nice email that we got from Darren? You bet. Great. Uh, this is just a, you know, we were trading some emails with Darren and Darren chimed in with uh, some feedback for our last episode and that was the one where we reviewed Outsiders 5 of a Kind. Mm-hmm. And part of the email goes as follows. This episode... It was terrific, and it was great that it worked out for you to promote Ron Randall's Kickstarter, and I sincerely appreciated that. I loved hearing all of the wonderful feedback that you've been getting from listeners. I'm very happy for you both. Mm. A few specifics I wanted to mention. When you mentioned Mulligan Stew, the first thing that came (laughs) to my mind was the educational TV show from the early 1970s and its catchy theme song. I remember watching it in school and getting the tie-in comic book that which I still think I have in my collection. Yeah, I I remember that show, but I didn't get the tie-in comic book, darn uh. it. It was too bad. And then I think we got to talking about another show called Mulligan Stew, which yeah. I remember that. And then Darren goes on to continue. I laughed at Jerry's Aragon son of Arathone remark. <laughs> then he goes on to say, Ramona Freyden is a treasure. I'm sure you've both seen her at conventions. I unfortunately haven't. I would have loved to. Darren continues, we've been lucky to see her on a couple of times and ask her for quick sketches from her Aquaman and Mira. I liked Chris mentioning Ron, Randall's run on Arak. We got him to sign a couple of issues in the past. Now, hey, Dar- uh, Jerry, speaking of Ron Randall, you know, as soon as that episode dropped, we got a tweet from Ron Randall yes, himself. Yes, we did. So I was blown away. Uh, wow. Ron, Ron stated, thanks so much for the kind words about Tricker and about our mutual friends of the Sutherlands, mm-hmm. and congrats on producing an excellent podcast. Isn't that nice? That's how, how cool is that? He's a, he's a, he seems like a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to give a very special shout-out to Nightstar on Twitter, who's at CCAPS357 when our last episode dropped. She tweeted, if you like Batman comics, you'll love these guys. Again, oh. great job. Hey, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. that. That was that was really nice for her. Great friend of the show and a huge, huge, huge supporter, and we really can't thank her enough for tweeting that out. We also got likes and retweets from Virginia Blues at VA underscore blues, and I'm very, very sorry I missed not giving you a shout-out on our last show. I can't thank you enough for doing that. We also got likes and retweets from Darren Murphy at Darren Murphy, Jim at Canada Daredevil, Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie, Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds, the aforementioned people that we mentioned a bit ago. Thank you so much. We also 
heard from Matches Balone at Matches Balone, Christian at Ace Comics, the aforementioned. We also had uh, likes and retweets from Cynthia Thorndike at Lavish Sands, Nedhead at Nedhead, Trekker Talk at Trekker Talk. Thanks again, Darren and Ruth. Christados at Christados One, Longbox Crusade at Longbox Crusade. Hey, thank you very much, Pat. Yeah. Appreciate that. Good friend of the show, Jeff Hunter at Jeff Hun three four nine one one eight five five. Paul Shanley at Paul Shanley. Be sure to check him out on the Batman Universe website. Yeah. Sean Az at Sean forty two Az. He's the co-host of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars and Beyond. And welcome to Astro City on the Pulp to Pixel Net- Podcast Network. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Also got some from. Mark David Godry at Mark David Godry and the DCU Movie Page at DCU Movie Page. And thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate that. I was I was blown away because when the initial episode dropped, I don't think we got a lot of likes and retweets, but I got a huge uptick in, in followers on Twitter. But then all of a sudden, when I went to recheck, oh yeah, all these likes suddenly came in. Sure now, man. if I didn't include your name and if I somehow overlooked you, which is very very possible, my apologies. Please contact me on Twitter at BTO and Bad Books, and I'll be sure to correct that on our next episode fantastic thank you chris well that's all we have for today please join us in two weeks i think it's two weeks when chris and i will cover catwoman dies no! oh no she's engaged to bruce how how's can this... that gonna work yeah what's up with that i think i know how this is gonna end but we'll see i have a pretty good idea but we'll find out we'll find out yeah so my name is jerry and i'm chris and thank you for listening to bat books for beginners so many bad books it's confusing Another faith, a podcast that your wild will say bad books for beginners if you please. Bad books help you find out what to read. Bad books for beginners. Why don't you go and download now? 